Praise the Lord. Let's go to Romans chapter 12 this morning. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was reading in my daily devotions, and I was in Romans chapter 12, and the Lord just lit up the scriptures. Do you know what I mean? It, just like the scriptures that I've read all my life here, like I was reading them for the first time with new understanding, and I want to share some of that with you today. When we come to God, a lot of times we sit idle because we don't know what God wants from us. Sometimes we don't come back to God because we don't know what he wants from us. But he makes it very clear what he wants from you and what he wants from me. And God never wants more than you can give. That's really important that you get that in your heart. God doesn't want any more from you than you can give. And then when you give the things that he wants you to give, he puts, you know, like, like the mafia, he greases it. What he does is he puts his oil on it, he puts his anointing on it, he puts his ability, his power on it. And when we give to him the thing that he is prompting for us to give, well, guess what happens? It is easier to give and there is more coming, there is more coming from us than what we thought was possible. So what is it that God wants from us? Let's start in Romans chapter 12. We're just going to read the entire scripture. That's what this message is going to be. And so, dear brothers and sisters, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the Christians in Rome. He says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he'll find acceptable. Now, now this truly is the way to worship him. Now, don't copy the behaviors of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, God has a will for your life, but the very first thing that God wants from you, are you ready for this? It's your body. He doesn't want you to tie yourself up and, and put yourself on, on top of a pile of wood and, and then light the wood afire. He doesn't want you to be that kind of a sacrifice. But he wants your body. Everybody say body. Now, this isn't that difficult to understand because, you know, you know you're the church and the church is the what of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. So you're the body of Christ. God wants your, your body. He, he wants to, to live in you in a way that brings him glory, that, that, that gives, gives off, let me say, positive impressions of God. God wants your body. The, the thing that we have that wants to not yield to the Lord more than anything else is our body. Our body is tired. Our body is hungry. Our body, our body is, is not feeling right. Therefore, we're a little bit on the grumpy side. Our body wants to do this. It wants to do that. It says, please, Seymour, uh, feed me. Our Anybody know where that came from? Our, our body wants what is not beneficial for us sometimes. And, and let me say this, your body doesn't have an intellect. Your body knows that it's tired, but it, doesn't, it won't reason how much sleep is good for it. Your body is hungry, but your body doesn't have an intellect, and, and it, it won't tell you this is how much food and what kind of food is good for me. Your body knows it wants to feel good, but it doesn't know some experiences degrade the body instead of actually build it up. So, so your, 
your body is like a baby. It doesn't know. A baby, a little kid, will eat sugar all day long because it doesn't know when to stop. And then, Mommy, my tummy hurts. Mommy, I don't feel good. Your body is like a little baby. It doesn't know. Your body is supposed to be in, is subjected to your mind, which is being renewed. And your mind is supposed to be governed by your spirit if God lives in you. Are you following me? So the first thing that God wants from you and the first thing that God wants from me is our body. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you, and he was given to you by God. Check this out. You don't belong to yourself, for you are bought with a high price. Your body doesn't belong to you anymore because it's God's house. It's where he lives by in you by his spirit. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. One of the, one of the, if you go on in 1 Corinthians, it says, so if you know God lives in you, don't join your body with a prostitute. Because in Corinth, there were actually temples of different gods that you would go and worship that God by sleeping with a prostitute. And the Apostle Paul said, now don't you realize that your body didn't belong to you? If you realize God lives in you, you wouldn't do half the things that you do. Because you couldn't do the things that you're doing if you realize your body's not your own. It's God's, it's God's habitation. It's where God lives. So can we just strip it down and get normal this morning? If you're aware of God's presence in you, it's awful hard to sin. If you're aware that God lives in you, it's awful hard to walk into that room and do that thing with that person if you're aware that he's in you, isn't it? Because when I was young in the Lord and I was aware of his presence and I wanted to go do whatever that was, I would say, okay, Jesus, this is what I would say to myself. You stay here outside the door. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do this thing. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to come back and then I'm going to First John 1, 9 it. I'm going to ask for forgiveness when I come back at the door so you can be in me again. Anybody else ever done that? If you're aware of God's presence in you, come on, you, you realize that your body is not your own. And there are some things that you just won't do. And so the secret isn't trying to get yourself not to do the thing. It's to be aware of his presence. Don't you realize your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and God lives in you by that spirit. He bought you with a very high price, with the blood of Jesus, with the body of Jesus, through the death of Jesus. He bought you. You don't belong to to yourself it's just like Nietzsche and I don't belong to ourselves we belong to each other but I have found out that I say hey woman that body is mine too so I can take it whenever I want that doesn't work because I found out Jesus doesn't do that either he wants you to be reminded that he lives in you he wants you to be aware that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit he, he, he's just saying he's not saying listen I own you therefore you have to He's saying, I live in you. 
and, and I, I paid the way for you so I can live in you. So let me abide in you in a strong presence in a strong way all the time. That's a secret to overcoming a particular sin in our bodies. So God wants first our bodies. Everybody say bodies. If you're taking notes, write that down. God wants our, our bodies. Secondly, he wants our humility. Because, verse 3, because of the privilege and authority that God has given me, the Apostle Paul says, I give each of you this warning. Uh, you know what? You're not supposed to do this, and I'm trying not to do this. Right, so if you see me do this, say, Pastor, and then I'll remember, okay? Because, <laughs> because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Measuring yourself by the faith that God has given us now. Just as our bodies have many parts. He's going back to the, the body, but it's interesting. Now he's going back to different parts. He says, just as our body have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. You're the church. You're part of the body. Each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts one body, and we belong to each other. He wants our bodies, but then he wants our humility. And our humility is not saying, I'm nothing but a worm, I don't deserve, I'm, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, yes, you are, and yes, you are, and yes, you are. But the truth is, the humility is this. I am the righteousness of God. I am, the, I am a son of God. I I, I am a husband, I am a father, I, I, I am operating in the office of a pastor, but that doesn't make me who I am, who I am, I'm a son of God, I need to realize that, I'm a husband, second, I'm a father, third, and when I put it in line, it works right, but I'm not going to say, I'm a better father than that man, I'm a, I'm a better husband, I'm not, I'm a better husband than that man. I'm a, I'm a better, boy, I'm a much better pastor than that guy down the street. See, because I'm judging myself against somebody else's performance. I'm not judging myself realistically, but if I judge myself by, by the fact that I am part of this body and everybody has this special part, yeah, you know what? That guy is not a pastor. He's a teacher. That gal is, is, is not just a wife, but she's an exhorter in the body of Christ. She, she gives people encouragement all the time. That person, that person is, is not a pastor. That's a, that's a prophet. And, and, you know, without the exhorter, without the person with leadership abilities, without, without the person who has a gift of giving, my gift would not be able to operate. I am so dependent upon the other gifts that are in the body. I have to judge myself according to Christ and according according to his body. The same faith that you've got for where you stand is, is basically the same faith that I've got. When, when we get to the place that pride is becoming an issue, we think we're something better or farther along the line than we actually are. We think that we're better or farther along in development than we actually are. That's when pride becomes a problem. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. All of you dress yourselves humili in humility as you relate to one another. 
I want you to hear this scripture. God opposes the proud but gives more grace to the humble. He's writing this to the church. When I think that I'm better than I am, when I think that I, and I'm comparing myself to other people who may be pastors or teachers or fathers or husbands, and I say, well, I'm better than that guy because I didn't do what they did, then something happens in the heavenly realms that's not good for me. The Bible says that God opposes the proud. This is written to the church. Do you realize when you're haughty, do you realize when I'm haughty and arrogant that God actually opposes me? See, God's spirit lives in me, and his spirit lives in me for a multitude of reasons. And one of the reasons is to empower us and to strengthen us to do the things that God has called us to do. But if I think I'm all that, and uh, like Pastor Dan Barry would say, a bag of chips, if I think I'm a tall drink of water, if I think I'm just everything that there needs to be, I am, I am the manifestation of a husband on the earth. Then the Bible says God opposes me. And if you go into the Greek, that word oppose literally means this, that God has his hand against me. And when Pastor Needs and I started in ministry, there was this little gal, her name was, her name was uh, Pam, her husband, his name was Jerome, and he played saxophone for Carlton Pearson, but he also traveled with us. And she played, man, that girl could sing. And she could whip out on that keyboard, and, and we had some great times together. She was all but 105 pounds, just a little bitty thing. And we sit, you know, when we drive back and forth, we were together in Costa Rica and Guatemala and Panama, all over Oklahoma and Iowa. And, and if I would say something that, lady that little little bitty lady didn't agree with she would put her hand right in my face like that and say uh-uh uh-uh she had this little itty bitty hand but all I could see was hand I couldn't see her I couldn't see anybody else because she put it right in my face there was no talking to Pam when, my hand, when her hand was in my face it was like her ears went shut automatically put the hand up ears go shut it didn't matter what, what you'd say, uh-uh, uh-uh. That's a picture of what God does to us when we're proud and when we're arrogant. He, he puts his hand up. And when his hand is up, you know, you're, you're crying out for things. And he's not listening. He hears it, but he's not listening. Do you get the difference? There's no power flowing through you to do the things that you, you need to do because you think that you can do it all on your own. So God says, okay, go ahead, try it, do it. See how long you last. And that's when we fall. Because pride goes before a fall. God gives more grace, more ability. It says he gives more grace, more ability, more power to the humble. And hum being humble is just realizing this is where I'm at. I, I'm a faithful husband, but I, I'm not a great husband. I, I, I don't understand how women work and probably never will. So, I mean, at least that woman. So, you know, I know I'm not fulfilling all of her needs. I'm not that great of a husband, but I am a faithful husband. That, that's, that's, that's being very transparent and very honest with myself. But if I think, well, because I'm home every night, it doesn't matter. You know, if I'm not satisfying her emotional needs, it doesn't matter. Well, then I'm being prideful and I'm being arrogant. And there's no ability of God flowing in my life for our marriage. And I need it. Can I get an amen in the house? James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Humble, 
To be humble doesn't mean you think you're little, you think you're weak, you think you don't deserve. That's, not, that's, that's false humility. And false humility is the same thing as pride, when you think you're something that you're not. When you're humble, you're looking at yourself through the eyes of Christ and through the word, and you say, well, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm trying, and this is where I'm at. God, help me. God, you bridge the gap between where I am and where I should be. And that's what grace does. Can I get an amen? So God wants our bodies. He wants our humility. Verse 6, in his grace, God has given us different gifts. Different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, then, then be encouraging. If it's to give, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if he's given you the gift of showing kindness, do it gladly. So God wants our bodies, he wants our humility, and I want you to hear me, he wants our gift. He didn't give you the gift so you could give it back to him. He gave you the gift so you could give it back to the body. You're, you're needed. That gift that you have is needed. The, the, the most important thing you can do when you become a Christian and you surrender your life to Christ is for you to discover your purposes, to do, for you to discover your God-given gift. That's the thing that you do, that when you do it, you can feel the flow of God. There's complete contentment and fulfillment. I didn't say you're not going to doubt yourself, but there's contentment and fulfillment when you're operating in your gift. Do you hear me? God wants your body. God wants my body. God wants my humility. He wants your humility. And he wants your gift that comes from God. 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Everybody say spiritual. Use them well. Use them well. To serve one another. And do it with all the grace. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. I want you to get this in. Get this in I want it lodged up here. I want you to think differently. Your gift is an empowered gift that comes from God. And it takes God for you to operate in it. Your gift. Everybody say gift. The thing that God has given you, your purpose, which that's why we exist, to help you discover your purpose so you could love people, lead them to Jesus, teach them how to follow him, to love, lead, and teach. You do that through your gift. You do that by giving God your body. You do that by giving God uh, your humility, and then you give him your gift. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. When you try to operate in your gift without his strength, mm -mm, it don't work very well. 
when you try to operate in a spiritual gift through natural means or natural willpower or natural physical strength. It just doesn't work because it's a gift that comes from God. It's part of your life. And when you access it with humility, when you access it with holiness, guess what? Then God puts power through you to cause that gift to edify or build up and encourage the local body. So God wants our bodies, he wants our humility, he wants our gift. And verse 9, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring one another. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. And rejoice in confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, come on, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. That's a lot of words. Basically says, you're here to serve other people. You're here to serve God's people first and to serve the world second. If, if they can't see you love one another and serve one another, then you're Christian, Christian, Jesus help me, your Christianity, yeah, I know what I want to say. Your Christianity has very little value. We're here to serve one another. We're here to serve one another. We're here to serve one another, not just on Sunday. We're here to serve one another. Not just when we have a special meeting. We're here to serve one another. So, so God wants our bodies. God wants our humility. God wants our gift. But I want you to hear that God wants our service. Here's where it gets tough. Everybody wants to give God our, our gift. We don't want to give our gift to each other, but we want God to use us. Everybody wants to, you know, hey, God, I, you know, I'm called to preach, so I should be up there preaching. Well, yeah, maybe you should be, but are you serving anybody? Are you loving anybody? Because that's kind of foundational. Everything's about everybody else. And then God gives you the strength to help everybody else. Everybody wants their gift to be used and recognized. But few, not in this body, but few in the body of Christ overall want to serve one another. God wants our bodies and he wants our humility so we could find our gift. And as we operate in our gift, then we also need to serve one another. You could say this, your gift is easy because God is giving you the strength and the power. Your service is work. Everybody likes the gift. Very few people like the work. You know, I, I, now listen, I'm not complaining, but I, I, I actually debated with myself the whole time I was doing this yesterday whether I was going to use this as an illustration. You know, you know my gift is, is, is pastoring, and then I do the work throughout the week, serving the body of Christ and doing things for the local church and doing things. For, for, and that, that's, that's what I'm called to do. I love it. But yesterday at 5 o'clock, I was out with a push mower pushing this, this entire, all this property and I thought to myself, am I doing something wrong? Am I not teaching people what service really is? Do they, they wanna, we all want to, 
oh, shut up, Kenny, Pastor Kenny. We all want to shake hands and greet and pass the bucket. You know, that's a five-minute ordeal, but nobody wants to serve. So Pastor, who's worked six and a half days, is out there mowing. My son came home. He said, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? I said, because nobody else is doing it. And then the devil wanted to get me mad because nobody else was doing it. I wanted to be mad because nobody else was doing it. And I thought, you know what? I just must not be teaching people about service. And I have put a lot of effort on the gift. But we're to give God our gift serving others, but then we're to do the work of serving one another as well. Can I get an amen in the house? Never be lazy. Here's how you do it. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Colossians 3.23. Work willingly at whatever you do. As though you were working for the Lord, not for people. I mean, you know, like, if I bring Cole a glass of iced tea, it's going to be hard for me to see bearded Jesus on him, you know. But, but that's my attitude. I should be saying, I'm giving this to Jesus. No, I should be giving it to him as if I were giving it to Jesus. You know when it said that we're to really love somebody? The scripture just said that. Not just act like you do, but genuinely love them. Do you know how you love somebody that you don't really like? <gasps> you know, there are people you just don't like. And it probably has nothing to do with them. It has to do with somebody who had their personality that did you wrong in the past. You know, how can you love somebody that, that really is just kind of lucky, you know what I mean? How do you do that? Well, there must be a way because the Bible tells you to. You place value on them. If I don't see the value in you, I'll never love you. If I don't see the value in you, I will never serve you. If I don't, if I don't, listen, if I don't assign value to you, I will never, ever care for you. Not the way God wants me to. Well, well how can I reconcile in that, in that in my mind? Because my regular way of adding value to somebody, now listen, I'm being very transparent. Your way is the same. I give you value based on what you do for me. You make me feel good. I give you value. You, you, serve, you, you serve me by, 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 I don't know, you're very nice. You always bring me treats. Don't bring me treats, please. You always bring me something to eat, and, and so I give you value. You give me gifts, so I give you value. You don't disagree with me, so I give you value. You tend to take up for me, so I give you value. The minute you don't agree with me, I give you take away value. The minute that you don't serve me, I take away value. The minute that you disagree with me, I take away value. That's how we add value. But God added value to you before you did anything right, before you served, before you gave anything. He added value to you by caring enough for you before the foundation of the world. Jesus was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world, before you were formed in your mother's womb, before you did anything right or you did anything wrong. The value that he gave you was the life of his son. And if I can just do that, I have I see value in you. I assign value to you because Jesus gave his life for you. Jesus gave his life for every man, woman, and child. And I'm going to say this, especially this week. I'm, I'm embarrassed at the way the church reacted on Friday. The church had a victory is what was said. But immediately, they went after the other side. 
and said, we're going to do more. Value. People are valuable. They don't have to think like you to be valuable. They don't have to agree with you to be valuable. Whether, they, 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 whether they're pro-life, pro-choice, or they don't know, it, they have value. They're not the enemy. Either side. Because to be honest with you, neither one of them is right on the extreme. Value. If I value you, I will love you. If I don't value you, I won't love you. If I value you, I, I will add to you. If I don't value, I will take away from you. Value has nothing to do with what you do for me. Value is an adjustment that I make inside of me about you based on the revelation that God has given me about the value of each and every person that's on this earth, whether they agree with me or they don't agree with me, whether they, whether they go to, to, to undermine me or they, they go to support me. It doesn't matter. God gave them value. God wants our bodies. God wants our humility. God wants our gift. God wants our service. For, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. <laughs> That's a hard one. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. I'm gonna, I've never told anybody this besides my wife, and I'm going to tell you because I think when I tell on myself, it helps you. We have had um, some problems with some political people in the neighborhood because they think that we... Um, believe differently than they do or differently than than we do and a couple years ago we just uh, we just got to the point I mean honestly where we almost just wrapped everything up because doing what we're doing here is a battle every single day and we had enough complaints and enough things happen and enough political movement that we lost some tax credits we got them back now praise God they're coming they're coming back. We, we lost some land. We, we, lost, we just lost a lot. And it was an effort that we'd been fighting for six years. And uh, I was mad. And there's a particular fella who, who did try to help us, but he also was on both sides. He was basically, you know, uh, two fork had got tongue going both ways. And he texted me, wanted me to help the, the church, wanted this the church to help something, move something through, a tax thing up here. And I just texted him back and I said, I'm not going to tell you his name. I said, dear, so-and-so, may God curse everyone who's ever cursed us and come against us. May, may every curse that's in the Old Testament and the New Testament come upon them. I'm done. I text that to somebody. And you know what? It was a pretty hard two years until I took that thing back. And I, t I called that person. I realized finally what, what I had done. You know, I thought, you know, I have righteous indignation. You know, let God, you know, God says, let, let me be the judge. Okay, God, you be the judge, but here's what I want you to do to them. But that's not what he said. When he's talking about trust him, we'll talk about that in a minute. If you think there's judgment necessary, you take care of it. I trust you. I'm not telling him what to do. So I text this guy, I said, can I take you out for coffee? And I imagine he was like, oh, no. 
And, and I did, and I hugged him, and I apologized to him, and I said, I was just, I was at the end of it. I, I'm sorry I never should have said that. You know, I, I believe, I, I believe in, I don't believe what he stands for, but I believe in him. He's a good guy. He has value. First Corinthians uh, says this. Uh, hmm. Let's go back to Romans. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who are weep. So I've got this thing that you've got. It's called emotional space. I'm happy. Don't you come bring down my happiness. Put up a wall. I'm sad. Don't you try to make me happy. You know, one of the things that just absolutely irritates me about my wife is this. I could be in a very serious state. I mean, I've got my mental juices going on something. And I, you know, I'm so focused on a task. I don't need to be bothered. I don't want, I have to get this thing done through mental energy, you know. And, and then she walks in, hi, how you doing? I'm like, I'm serious. Can't you see I'm serious? Be serious with me or be gone. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. God wants our emotions. He doesn't want you to deny your feelings or your emotions, but he wants them to be subjected to the needs of others. Oh, come on, man. God wants my, my body. God wants my humility. God wants my gift. And then he wants me to serve other people. And now he won't even let me have my emotions. I want my emotions. No, you don't. Your emotions will take you places you don't want to go. God, he gives us everything. And he says, okay, here's how it's to be done. Do it within these parameters and you're going to be okay. Part of the parameters for your emotions is that, that you yield your emotions to the needs of others. Celebrate when they celebrate. But I just have to be me. I've just got to be true to myself. Otherwise, I'm lying. That's what I say to myself. No, no, no. God says I'm to be happy. When that guy wants to celebrate, let's celebrate. I may not be as giddy as he is, but I'm going to celebrate. If, if, if they're sad, then I've really got to adjust. Even if I had the best day and the best thing happened, I've got to mourn with them for their sake. So God wants your body. <laughs> God wants your humility. God wants your gift. God wants your service. God wants my emotions. He says, if never pay back evil for evil, do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable, and do all that you can to live with everybody. Okay. This person just treated me wrong publicly. And I am to curtail my emotions. And I'm to pray for them. And I'm to bless them. That is putting my emotions on the altar of sacrifice. The truth is, if you're going to grow in Christ, you will be telling yourself no a lot. And if you're not telling yourself no, then you're probably not growing in Christ. And as you do the things, 
that he tells you to do and you don't do the things that he's leading you not to do, there'll be more of an ability and a power in your life. You know why we don't want to do this? Because we want to protect ourselves. I've been hurt before. I'm never going to let somebody in hurt me again. I've cried when they cried before and it didn't work. It was bad. I'm never going to do that again. I'm going, I've been used before, so I'm only going to serve when I feel like serving. I stepped out once before and I tried to use my gift and I was rejected and I got attacked and I almost fell spiritually. I'm never doing that again. God wants our bodies. He wants our humility. He wants our gift. He wants our service. He wants our emotions, but most of all, he wants our trust. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that righteous anger to God. For the scriptures say, I will revenge and I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, your enemies, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. So, so Cathedral family, don't let evil conquer you, but you conquer evil by doing good. Have you noticed that everything we've talked about this morning is a matter of doing something? It's not a matter of just changing the way you think. Because if you try to change the way you think, but your actions don't line up, then you're going to not like yourself because you're going to be deceiving yourself. Just because you feel a way doesn't mean that it's right. It's valid that you feel that way. I mean, it's real. Well, now you have something to conquer. You conquer it by doing something good. Giving your body. Giving your humility. Giving your God-given gift. Giving your service. Giving your emotions. Giving your trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his way in all you do and he'll show you the right path. One last scripture, Psalm 37, 5. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he'll help you. Would you bow your heads this morning? I'm sorry I've gone long this morning. We trust God by doing the things that he communicates to us to do. Loving those that persecute us. Serving others, whether they're good to us or not. Yielding our bodies to his will. God lives in us. The word of God tells us that if we trust him, he will help us. Romans 10, 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not just salvation for today as if you're going to heaven. It's salvation over every one of these situations we've talked about this morning. 
you need to give your life to the Lord, if you need to trust him this morning, then I do want to pray with you, and then I'm going to pray a general prayer. If that's you, would you raise up your hand right now when nobody's looking around? I see your hand. Yes. Yes. Anybody else? Father, for those who raised up their hands this morning, hear the cry of their heart. Let them trust you in a deeper way than ever before. Let them yield to you. Let them trust you. Let them pull on you. Bring them into a great place of trust in you. And Father, for each and every other person that's here today, cause this message to become something living in them today as they, as they join their small groups this week and talk about this message, Lord. Let it become something that equips them for daily living and victorious life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.